Our gospel reading for tonight comes from the gospel of John, the 12th chapter. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Amen. So you are probably wondering who in the world I am. Let me answer that question. My name is Matt Hobbitz, and I'm a pastor of another church here in the city, uh, Our Savior New York, a sister congregation of Epiphany. Uh, I'm also a friend of Eric's, and um, he and I spent a lot of days together sitting in coffee shops, talking about the planning of our church that we planted, and the planning of this church that, that he has planted. And so I feel like I already know you, because I've had so many conversations with Eric about you, and he said nothing but good things, trust me. <laughs> but it is an honor to be with you and to just share the gospel and talk about Jesus tonight. You know, in the Gospel reading for tonight, Jesus talks about grains of wheat. So in that vein, I want to tell you some earthy stories. Uh, I have three of them. Uh, I want to talk about acorns, about rocks, and about redwood trees. I, I grew up in the middle of Michigan, and every Sunday afternoon, my brothers and I would be taken by my parents over to my, my grandparents' house. We lived on this large, non-working farm that was filled with trees and old barns. It was a great place for a nine-year-old boy to run around with his brothers. And it was a very common occurrence for my grandfather, just after lunch, to look at us boys and say, you know, boys, there are a lot of acorns out there in the backyard, and I have it on good authority that underneath one of those acorns is a $50 bill. So if you can go out there and pick up the acorns, you may just find $50. Now, at nine years old, I fell for that every single time. We never found any money, but he always got his acorns picked up. He had these massive, massive oak trees in the backyard. We're not just talking big, they were like, like insanely big. Even today, as a grown man, I would not be able to wrap my arms all the way around them. They were hundreds and hundreds of years old, massive oak trees, and so they dropped thousands of acorns. And I remember being in the backyard one of those Sunday afternoons, picking up acorns, wondering when I would ever find the $50 bill. And my grandfather saddling up next to me and my brother and picking up one of those acorns. And you could just tell he was going to teach us some kind of profound life lesson. He picked up this acorn and he said, Matt, Johnny, do you know that inside this little acorn is everything it takes to grow that massive tree? That tree that you can't wrap your arms around, that tree that you can't see the top of, everything it takes to grow that tree is inside of one of these little acorns. And there are thousands of these acorns on the ground. And at nine years old, that, that blew my little mind. That something so big could grow from something so small. Now my grandfather said, but here's the catch. That acorn has to go on a crazy journey before it can become that massive tree. See, it starts way up in the top, and at some point, the wind blows, the earth shakes, it breaks loose, it dies, and it falls to the ground. And unless it gets picked up by a grandson looking for a $50 bill, it rots away. It decomposes into the dirt. And then eventually it starts to grow. 
my same grandfather, he used to collect rocks from the side of the road and make jewelry out of them. He would walk down this, this, this dusty road in the middle of Michigan where I grew up, and he would see these rocks that everybody else would walk past or drive over or kick on their way to their friend's house. That's what I did. He would pick up these rocks and he'd take a handful of them and he would make jewelry out of them. Um, he, would, he would also make these things that he called like rubbing stones, these very smooth stones with a little indentation in them that he would keep in his pocket and he would just rub them back and forth to ease his anxiety. He also liked to make bolo ties. You, if you don't know what a bolo tie is, it's basically just like a, a pendant or a rock on a, on a string that you wear around your neck like cowboys wear them. Nine-year-old boys in the 90s did not wear them. But my grandfather would give them to me and my brothers. So we liked to make bolo ties and rubbing stones and other pieces of jewelry, and, and they were beautiful. But they all started out as rocks from the side of the road. And I remember one afternoon asking my grandfather, Grandpa, how do you make jewelry out of rocks from the side of the road? So he grabbed me and he grabbed my brothers and he took us downstairs to his workshop in the basement of this farmhouse. And on his workbench was this, looked like a little metal can. And it had some, some pulleys on it and a little motor attached to it. And he could unscrew the top of the can and he took a handful of rocks that he grabbed from the side of the road that afternoon. And he, he put them inside the can and he sprinkled in some, some chemical of some sort. And he twisted the top back in the can and he flipped the switch and it just started to tumble really slowly. And then he looked at me and my brothers and said, that's how I do it. And we must have had a dumbfounded look on our face because we didn't quite get it. He decided to explain to us what was happening inside of that tumbler, that, that this handful of rocks along with a little bit of chemical, these, these rocks were rolling around in that tumbler at just the right speed that they were constantly crashing up against each other. Too fast and they stick to the sides of the can, right? But, but just slow enough and just fast enough the rocks will lift and then they'll fall. They'll lift and then they'll fall. And they'll fall onto each other. And they'll crash into each other over the course of hours. They'll crash into each other thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times until they break off all the rough edges of the rocks. And you open up the canister. And sure enough, the next day he took us back down to the basement. He opens up the canister and you lay it down on the table. You spread out your jewels on the table and you blow away all the dust. And what do you have? You have smooth stones that started out as rough rocks from the side of the road. And once again, my nine-year-old mind is blown. Jesus, in the text for today, he's talking about himself. He has just entered into Jerusalem. He is facing down the cross, and he's trying to help his disciples understand the manner in which he is going to save the world. He's trying to help them grasp it. And in an agrarian culture where they understand farming and wheat and how things grow, he says, think of it like this. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, nothing happens. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And he was talking about himself. He was talking about going to the cross. And he was talking about how he was going to save the world by losing. He was going to win the greatest battle for you and for me by losing, it seemed, the battle with death. He was going to be the grain of wheat that fell to the ground and it died and it broke open. But by dying and breaking open, he succumbed to death. He placed himself underneath the one thing that we're all trying to outrun, but we can't. He placed himself underneath it. He succumbed to it. He soaked all the power and energy out of it. But then he rose from it. 
and defeated it and showed his power over it. And so now he's able to look at the world and say, I have borne much fruit. I have borne the fruit of forgiveness by dying. I have borne the fruit of freedom from fearing death because I have overcome death by dying and rising from the grave. I have overcome fear of condemnation for the sins that you've, that you've committed and the mistakes that you've made. I've overcome all of those things because I succumbed to death. I was the grain of wheat that fell to the ground and broke open and died. And the fruit that I bore was a resurrected life so that I can say to you, I've defeated sin, your sin. I've defeated death, your death. And now that you have faith in me, you live. Here's the interesting thing. Falling to the ground and breaking open and dying is not just how we are saved by Christ. It's also descriptive of how we then grow in Christ. First, firstly, how we come to faith in Christ. We come to faith in Christ in the waters of baptism in this act of repentance, which is nothing less than us proclaiming our deadness. We are falling to the ground and dying and saying, I can't save myself, I can't do anything, I'm, I'm broken, I'm lost, I need divine intervention to the greatest degree, otherwise I am fully accountable for the, for the freak show that I am, I am incapable of crawling my way out of the grave, I am totally lost. I am dead. We are falling to the ground and dying. And our baptism is what does God do as we fall to the ground and die? In our baptism, confessing our need for God, he then raises us up and brings us to new life. And we bear much fruit, the fruit of faith, and believing that we're forgiven. That's how it begins, but it's also how it continues. That's how we grow in Christ. You see, growth in Christ looks like the death and resurrection of Christ. It looks like falling to the ground and being broken open and dying a thousand times over. Here's how you grow closer to God. Here's how you mature in your faith. It is not by piling victory upon victory upon victory and just stacking up wins in the win column. I can crush that, nail that, totally get better at that. I'm growing closer to God, but I'm just winning at life. It's not how it happens. Here's how it happens. You fall from the tree. And the facade of your awesomeness and your ability is broken. You fall from the tree in a relationship that you thought was going to go somewhere, and you poured a lot of stuff into it, it didn't go anywhere, and you break open. You fall from the tree in an education that you've poured yourself into, in a career that you thought was climbing, and then it took a hard left, and you broke open. You fall from the tree in this urge and indulgence that you've been keeping yourself from for a long time. You've been really successful for a long time and keeping yourself away from it. And then one lonely night in the city, you just totally give into it and you fall from the tree and you break open and you die. You grow by being a rock in the tumbler. Your life isn't going the way in which you want, and you are rolling around, and you're crashing into all these other rocks, and stuff's flying everywhere, and you're hurting, and you're broken, and you're saying, what in the world good can come of this? This feels like dying. But in the 
moment that you're broken open on the ground, in the moment that you are crashing up against the other rocks in this city a thousand times over, that's when Jesus meets you. And he tells you that the promise of your baptism is still valid. And he tells you that there's always a place for prodigals at his table. He confronts you with his law, he shows you some things. But more than anything, he preaches to you yet again the gospel as you lay broken open on the ground and you're finally able to listen. He preaches to you the gospel as the tumbler is moving and you're breaking apart and you're finally willing to listen. And he tells you that you are not loved because of what you do. You are loved because of what has been done for you in Jesus Christ. And he tells you that your standing in the eyes of the world may depend on your accomplishments, but your standing in the eyes of God has nothing to do with your accomplishments. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. He just does because of Jesus. And when he meets you, broken, open, and dead on the ground, rolling through the tumbler, he brings you to life. And you grow a little bit. side of the road that's been through hell, but it's a little more beautiful, at least in his eyes. But it doesn't end there. I told you I'd talk about redwood trees, too. If, if you're from or you ever spent any time in the northwest part of the United States, you have marveled at these massive trees. Massive trees. That, that start like the oak tree. A seed falls, falls from on high and falls on the ground and breaks open and it dies, but, but boy does it grow. I remember being with my daughter and standing in the Muir Woods just outside of San Francisco and, and staring at a tree that was like 250 feet tall and it was like 900 years old, which I, I can't even wrap my mind around. But then doing some reading about these trees and talking about uh, what the per and reading about how how they have to grow in a particular climate with a particular soil soil and they have to grow in a particular cluster or else they can't really grow at all because the the roots aren't that deep. And so it takes a particular soil and a particular setting and a particular grouping of people for them to grow it all. And then that's the last piece I want to leave with you is you'll go through the tumbler, you will fall from the tree, you'll be broken open, you'll be met with the gospel, and God will grow you. But, but you can't grow alone, and you can't grow in just any situation. You need to grow with God's word. That's kind of like the soil and the sacraments. You need to grow among God's people. That's like the other trees so that you can withstand the wind and the rains that come. You need his word and his sacrament and his people around you so that you won't just grow, but you can grow through the rhythm of repentance and receiving the gospel as tall as possible. That's how he grows us.
Some of you are freshly fallen from a tree. Some of you have some stuff going on and you're rolling around, crashing up against some stuff, and you're wondering if there's a plan to this chaos, if there's a purpose to this pain. My invitation to you as your, your new friend is to remember acorns and trees and redwoods. And, and rather than ask the question, where is God in all of this? I encourage you to ask this question. What is God making through all of this? He's making something that's beautiful to him. He's drawing you close to Christ. He's nurturing a tree. He's making a bolo tie that some may not appreciate, but he just absolutely loves. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact you grow us and you change us. Father, we confess that we want our growth in you and in our life with Jesus to look and feel a certain way. We want it to be beautiful and victorious and, and filled with success after success, and certainly sometimes that's the case, but Father, we, we confess that more, than, more often than not, it's in our weakness where you meet us, it's in our difficulties that you find us. It's in the moments where we've fallen down and we're broken open that you bring the gospel to us and we are most ready to receive it and you revive us and you bring life to us and you tell us that you love us and it's in those moments that you grow and change us. Father, help us to remember in the midst of our pain that you are faithful to us and that you are up to something beautiful in us. In Jesus' name.